I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror movies by categories and subgenres, such as slashers, werewolves, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. All right, we're back, everybody. Episode 7. We've completed our cycle. We've gone subgenre, franchise, director at great lengths. <laughs> <laughs> and we're right back at, uh, at subgenres. So this week, werewolves. Werewolves. Werewolves are, are interesting to me because I'm a big fan of horror novels and horror comics just as much as I am horror movies, even horror role-playing games growing up. And on paper, I always fucking love werewolves. I love them in written work. They're actually fucking terrifying creatures if you think about them in so many ways. But the movies fall flat so often. Yeah. I purposely picked Eli Roth last week for us to do because originally we're like, he's a cool guy, but we're not a huge fan. Yeah. Right. And then I picked Werewolves, which is neither of our favorite movie or favorite monster. Yeah. Right. So um, it's, it's just kind of interesting to dive in and do that. Uh, we're doing it differently than Slashers. Instead of watching 35 movies, we each picked three. So I'm yeah. going to tell Josh about my three. He's going to tell me about uh, his three. And we hope you guys enjoy the ride. The problem I really feel with werewolf movies is the special effects Yeah, is a huge handicap just going in right off the gate because you have to have a fucking man wolf hybrid. It needs to be scary and you either have to do practical effects or CGI. Yeah. Horror movies don't have large budgets. So the CGI is generally very poor. You know, I'm not talking about touch up work on practical effects. Yeah. But then when you're making this giant wolf beast thing that has to be able to move around and snap and jump. The practical effects can look cheesy no matter who the fuck you have coming in and making them. Yeah, it's still going to be a wolf puppet at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, and, and some movies do better than others, but I really feel like it's hard for me to take werewolf movies seriously sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple standout ones, Wolfman, fucking Silver Bullet, American Werewolf in London. Like, those are fucking classics, and everybody talks about them, including us on this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, you do have so many that fall flat, and I do hope it's one of those subgenres or genres that... As technology gets better, maybe they will get better. I don't know what the deep fake shit coming out with maybe CGI is going to get better from that at some point. You know, yeah. it wouldn't be fair for me to have like a couple of the classics. I had to give Josh one of my top two favorite werewolf movies, but I'm going to do my absolute favorite 1985. Hey, I just said it before you. All right. <laughs> I'm fair. Okay. <laughs> Silver Bullet from 1985. It's based off of a Stephen King novella called Cycle of the Werewolf. Yep. It's very interesting. I think this is the first werewolf movie I ever saw, and it is for sure the first Stephen King novel I've ever read in my life. There's a few differences. Like the book was like a collaboration with an artist, and he would draw these werewolf pictures. And Stephen King basically wrote like werewolf short stories, is what the idea was going to be. Yeah. And it goes January to December, and each chapter is a month. It's a 12 chapter book, and it follows this town, Tarker's Mill, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And this werewolf, and it goes a little bit more into how he became a werewolf and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's it's pretty solid. The reason why it's solid is Stephen King wrote the book, and then the same year wrote the screenplay for the movie. Yeah. So here he is doing his own screenplay. This was a Dino De Laurentiis fucking production. Yes. Which on the Evil Dead episode, we talked about how Stephen King was like on this run of movies produced by Dino. And that's when he's like, you got to check out Sam Raimi's Evil Dead shit because he needs money. Right. So this is probably... <laughs> An early part of that or, or part of that chain yeah. of movies. This movie, it's got a pretty good acting cast. You got Corey Haim. Got to be one of his earlier acting roles. Yeah. Hands down, it's got to be one of his better acting roles. Yeah. Pre-substance abuse, obviously. This is uh, Gary Busey at the top of his game to me. Yeah, it's just him being him. I mean, it's him being him, <laughs> but like this was the definitive Gary Busey movie to me. So okay. anytime I saw him in a movie after this, I always thought back to him as Uncle Red, right? The sister's name yeah. is Jane. She's even very good in the movie. She does. It's not the same actress playing her as a kid, but the, the movie has a voiceover. Yeah. Like a narrator the whole time. And it's the sister growing up. And the, the tone is really good and soft, I feel like, for it. And it kind of leaves it open. You don't know what's going to happen to Marty, which is Corey Haim's character, right? Yeah. Let's see. So it opens up. You see a railroad worker. He's drunk off his ass. He's singing something about Ringo beer or something. It's, it's yeah, like, I'm going to drink me a cold yeah, beer. Yeah, some beer jingle. It's yeah. great. And he fucking, a werewolf decapitates him. Yeah, I mean, slaps you get, his fucking head clean slaps off. Slaps it off. And this wolf, he looks pretty fucking real. And I don't mean like you can't tell it's a suit. Like you just get a quick glimpse of it. But it, it looks kind of like what you'd think a hybrid looks like. It almost looks like a bear with wolf features. Yeah, and that's the joke I make about it being the, the werebear. Dino actually wasn't happy about no, no, it no, he when he not. saw it. So Stephen King wanted it to be a very realistic looking werewolf. It is a coat of bear fur 
on the the foam suit. And Dino did not like how it was not super monstrous, which is the way he wanted it. No. Stephen King and I went, this movie actually took a little while to make and get out. So the first director, I can't think of his name right now, but he actually quit. And Daniel Adias came in and it's his first movie ever. Yeah. It's also his only movie. It's insane. His only movie. However, he is possibly, and this is not like because I'm a fan, he is possibly the most successful television director of all time. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and look, I mean, every big show ever made. He's done at least 10 episodes of it. And I'm talking about, you've got like your 90210s and your Melrose places, but then you have like your Lost and your True Blood and, and you know, and your fucking Sopranos. Like he has done everything. Didn't he do a few episodes of Buffy? He did some episodes of Buffy. Okay. Literally though, you could sit here and name shows and he's probably done at least one. Go to his (laughs) IMDb. It's just fucking crazy that he stepped in, picked up this werewolf movie and, and finished it. Did a great job and then never made a movie again. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, so so you get this railroad worker, gets decapitated. Like Josh said, it just gets fucking slapped off. And this is kind of the first three minutes of the movie. Yeah. And you got a full decapitation. The fucking head's rolling on the tracks and everything. The body's found the next day, and the voiceovers talk about how he's just a drunk. And I guess they assume that he laid down on the railroad tracks. Or yeah, something. just passed out and got run over. Right. And you see your, your, your star here, Marty, and he's crippled and in a wheelchair. But it's not a normal wheelchair. It's, and it's not a normal motorized wheelchair. It obviously has motorcycle parts. Yeah. Right. And it hauls kind of ass and he's got his fucking, he's got a friend that's a little bit of a jerk and his sister is there. And it's, I don't know if it's after church or something. They're all dressed nice and they prank the, ch- yeah, the they're sister. All at, at some city gathering. Right. right. And it's a small town. It's a Stephen King movie. And this town is supposed to be next to the under the dome town. Yeah. And yeah. not that far away from the fucking it town. You know what I mean? They're all up there in Maine. Right. But they prank the sister and he tears the pantyhose and he feels really bad. And she's like, oh, I always have to deal with this cripple, which is kind of mean. But older sister having to take care of the younger brother. Who's also handicapped, right? So, yeah. But that night, you know, I, normally I don't focus on little details like this, but I feel like it's really important. He wheels himself into a room and he has money to buy her new pantyhose. And it really just kind of sets up the brother-sister dynamic in this movie. And that comes into play because they're very close. Yeah, because he's not an asshole. It was, really was the friend's fault. Right. And the movie just kind of progresses from there. I don't know if this movie does like the one full moon night a month or if it does the full moons three nights. You know what I mean? Like it kind of goes back and forth. I don't know. Cause it gets to this. The, there's a scene later when the dude's like, I just had to bury the pieces of my son. Yeah. And it's like, is this a month later? Yeah. yeah. Like the, the <laughs> timeline it they don't, they don't specify it in the no. book. They did. And Stephen King actually said he took liberties with the lunar cycle yeah. because it's new year's Eve at the end of the book in the movie. And it's a full moon, but it was also full moon on Valentine's Day, and it's not actually possible. Ah, okay. So he took liberties because he wanted the months to stick out, right? I mean, you, you get this werewolf, and it he almost was like a slasher. You get a lot of, the way the stalking is, it's not an animal like stalking. You see him like walking in and out of frames. Yeah. He knows who he's looking for. He can climb shit and break into your house. You, you get POV shot. He uses weapons to murder people. Yes. He actually talked in an earlier version of the movie, but they fucking cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. That would have been too much. <laughs> Swinging around a bat is okay. Yeah, the peacemaker. Yeah. Um, the police in the news even call him a maniac. Yeah. They don't say because normally when there's a werewolf or a vampire in a horror movie and and people are dying, it always says wild animal attack. Yeah. This movie says maniac on the loose. So you think that's happening, and you get like um, what's some of the other murders? You have a woman who Morty is either Morty or his sister Jane catches saying, Oh, this baby's yours. And the guy doesn't think it is. Yeah. And she's crying and, and taking Valium to kill herself. And he comes in and murders the Just, shit out of her in the room. Then you got the asshole dad in the garden shed. Yeah, Y'all better yeah. not be breaking my pots again. There's a girl that's kind of, she almost seems like she's Corey Haim or Marty's girlfriend yeah. in a way. And he rides his motorcycle wheelchair while she rides her bike to her house. And she says she hears scary noises in the shed. Yeah. Okay. And the dad comes out drunk, get in here, girl. And, and, you know, and the Marty drives off and he's like, fucking cripple, probably be on welfare for the rest of his life. He's chugging beer. And that night, it's, it's so funny when he dies because I use a line that he says all the time. He's watching a wrestling match and somebody gets like suplexed and he chugs beer and he goes, oh, that hurt my parts. <laughs> That's why I always say it. It's from that movie. You know, and he goes out and, and goes to the, the greenhouse or shed or whatever. And the werewolf's actually stalking him under the floorboards. Yeah. Breaks the floor out and impales him and shit. It's really cool how they do it. And it's a very unique take on werewolf kills. This movie's so fucking old, I don't really feel like it's bad to spoil it. Plus, it's Stephen King. It's just out there. Yeah. There's a reverend in the town, and he ends up being the werewolf. Uh, you have Uncle Red. We haven't even talked about crazy fucking Uncle Red. <laughs> Gary Busey's Uncle Red. 
He's drunk. He's on like a God knows how many divorce, right? Yeah. He's, he's the builder of the silver bullet yeah. chairs. Yeah. So he makes the first chair and he makes the second chair, which is fucking crazy absurd. And it's just hauls ass like he a Harley. needed a helmet on that yeah. one. <laughs> Marty loves his Uncle Red and spends quite a bit of time. And you can tell Uncle Red cares for him. No. Well, Uncle Red uh, gives Marty some fireworks because the 4th of July parade got canceled. Yeah. Right. And he's shooting the fireworks on the bridge because he sneaks out of the house. Yeah. He climbs down the fucking built house and everything. He's got some upper body strength. Yeah. This is all after they know that people are getting killed. Right. right. That's why the, the curfew is put in effect. Yeah. And, and he's shooting the fireworks and he has a rocket that Uncle Red told him, like, this is the last one. This is for the good guys. And the werewolf attacks Marty on the bridge and he fucking shoots the rocket into his eye. Okay, this is why the sister brother dynamic is important. But he tells his sister about it and she believes him. Right. She doesn't know why, but she believes him. Yeah. And she does like a can drive can and recycles to go find somebody with one eye. It's a little bit different in the book. In the book, uh, Marty's family's Catholic, so they never attend Reverend Lowe's church. And on Halloween, he goes trick or treat and he's dressed up like Yoda. So nobody recognizes him. And when he gets to the reverend's house, he sees the eye patch and knows it's him. Okay. But the Reverend knows Marty fucking shot him. Okay. And when yeah. the sister gets to the house, he's even got like a line where he's like, brothers are assholes sometimes. He says something like that when he's gardening. A boy, Grady, I think his name, Marty's best friend gets murdered. Right. Yeah. And a militia gets formed because they feel like the, the sheriff's not doing anything. And the militia, that's a really cool scene too because they're in the woods and there's fog, like knee high. And they're like, oh shit, it's under the fog. Yeah. They keep saying, they don't call it vigilante justice. They keep calling it public justice. Yeah. Yeah. He's under the fog and he keeps yanking everybody down. And yeah. the bartender has this baseball bat. It's called the Peacemaker. And he eventually takes the fucking bat and just starts bludgeoning the werewolf, not the bartender. Yeah. The werewolf starts bludgeoning fucking people with the bat. Yeah, because you've got the blanket of fog and it's so cool because the guy with the bat gets pulled down. And then all of a sudden you just see the bat with the paw on it right. start beating down into the fog. And honestly, <laughs> this is my favorite werewolf movie. I said that but it's a, it's a really well done horror movie. I feel like just because of the tension for things like the fog and the setup and stuff. But Jane finds the bat beat up. So now she thinks the reverend's a werewolf and the werewolf story's true. Yeah. So they both go to Uncle Red and Uncle Red stages it. He makes it look like he won a contest and gave his sister and her husband like a romantic trip, but he really bought it to get them out of town. Yeah. So he could watch the kids on New Year's Eve because of the full moon. And you get this fucking, I mean, the reverend comes in for him. I mean, he breaks through the fucking wall and takes the wall down. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> man. I, I kind of glossed over it, but they have like silver crucifix necklaces and they got Uncle Red to go get them melted down and turned into a silver, one silver, one bullet. silver bullet. Yeah. And Uncle Red actually tries to fight the werewolf and save the kids. He's pretty he fucking brave in it. thrown all over the fucking room instead. He actually did his own stunts. He oh, really? dove onto air mattresses to get thrown and when he gets chunked into the mirror, a piece of glass stuck in his arm. And if you look, he checks his arm because he's bleeding. He just kept rolling with it. Oh, damn. But that was real glass, real blood on that scene. But Marty fucking shoots Reverend Lowe in the head and drops him. And it's actually, if you would say American Wolf in London has like one of the best transformation scenes, this is one of the best detransformation scenes. Yeah, the reverse. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure they did it forward and then reversed yeah, it, yeah. right? Like, but no, that's really cool because you don't see that in the other. Yeah. Uh, any other werewolf movie I can think of, you don't ever see it transforming back. You have so many shots of where somebody's like, what is that? They and it's know, a cutaway. And then they cut away and then they turn, they're human again. Yeah, yeah. So it was really neat and you get like a really cool death rattle scare. Like I said, really well done movie. There's a little bit of comedy sprinkled in. Lots of Stephen King elements. Yeah. There's high tension. You got Gary Busey in his fucking prime. He asked Stephen King if he could ad lib the fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you get like, what is it? Holy jumped up, ball headed Jesus Palomino. He says crazy shit like that. Something like that. Yeah. You got me out playing fucking Hardy Boys with the Reverend Werewolf. You know, <laughs> all in all, I feel like it was a solid werewolf movie. It was pretty interesting. I know it flopped monetarily. It did, but cult classic after the fact. Yeah. And I think I, when I was watching it again, because I hadn't seen this movie since me and you watched it probably at your old house when we were kids. Oh, we were young. <laughs> and, uh, I felt kind of Goonies esque. Like if you does. if you're from if you're a younger with a decapitation, everything it's weird, but but it feels like it's more relatable for a younger audience because you have to identify with Marty. Yeah, he anchors the movie, so if you can't identify with him, there's not much left to go on. Right. One quick thing I do want to mention is uh, the Werebear. <laughs> um, he was actually created by uh, Carlo Rambaldi. Okay. Who created E. T. Oh. and worked on Alien, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. King Kong 76. It's really cool when you get into the older horror movies, how many people like worked on stuff together, whether it was independent and B rated or a fucking Stephen King, Dino De Laurentiis movie. Exactly. So that, that was really, really neat. I feel like I saw the movie, like you said, seeing it as a kid and and being Corey Haim kind of, 
There's so many things in my life that happen year round that always make me think of this movie. When I see a, a rocket, I think of this movie. If I see a monster break through a wall, I think of this movie. Uh, he drops a silver bullet in the grate and has to try to catch it at one yeah. point. Our granny's house had this giant fucking grate for like the heater or radiator. I always thought of that movie. And this is the first nightmare I remember having was from watching this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, because I saw horror movies younger than I should have. And Halloween and Freddy and shit didn't scare me. But I kept having a dream like a werewolf busting through the wall. That just fucking terrified no me. No shit. So this is the first horror movie that scared me. And it's a werewolf movie. My next two movies, people always say, you haven't seen Dog Soldiers. You haven't seen Late Phases. They're, these are like two of the best werewolf movies ever made. Yeah. And they're also in every top werewolf movie list I ever saw. So I went back and I saw these for the first time just for the podcast. Probably not going to talk about them as much as I did Silver Bullet because they're so new to me. But I just watched these this weekend and I'm going to start with Dog Soldiers. It came out in 2002. It was written and directed by Neil Marshall. It was his first feature length film, but he ended up making The Descent. Yep. Doomsday. He did TV shows like some Constantine episodes, some Game of Thrones episodes, Hannibal and Westworld. So the guy went on to do great things. Yeah. Still working now, too. Yeah, and did you ever see uh, Tales of Halloween? It's kind of like yeah. another trick-or-treat. He did the uh, Bad Seed segment, the pumpkin. Yeah. So so he's done some shit. It had some pretty well-known to me uh, European actors. You had, the names are really clever, too. You have Sergeant H.G. Wells. They don't say H.G., it's Harry something Wells, but it's yeah. H.G. And it's Sean Pertway, or Pertway, I've never, I, I'm sorry if I butcher his name, but he's currently um, Alfred on, on the Gotham. Gotham show. But what I always know him from is his dad was the second doctor on Doctor Who. Oh, the third, okay. second or third. And he's sometimes they use him for flashback scenes because he looks so much like his dad. But this gotcha. guy's been around a long time. You have Private Cooper and that's Kevin McKidd. And I mainly knew him from that show Rome on HBO. I really like that show. And he had some show where he like time traveled for a little bit that was only out for like a season. You got Captain Ryan, Liam, uh, I'm sorry, Captain Ryan, but it's played by Lean Cunningham. And he's uh, Davos Seaworth from Game of Thrones. Okay. But he, he, he plays a bunch of badass roles. And those are those were your big actors in there. But there was other throwbacks like the H.G. Wells, like there is uh, Corporal Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And this werewolf movie ends up in a cabin for the most part or a farmhouse. And you can tell he was influenced by the Evil Dead, like yeah. so many horror directors, right? Um, there's Private Spoon. There, there's just lots of references. There is no spoon actually makes it into this movie. Yeah. Just a brief summary of the movie. You have some soldiers out tracking something in the woods and you see a soldier running and he ends up getting caught and they're like, oh, you made it. 20 something hour or no, it might have been 40 something hours. I don't remember. You did well. You'll, you'll make it on this team. Yeah. Now kill this fucking dog. Yeah. And this it's is like fucking Kingsman. All right. And this is captain Ryan talking to, to private Cooper. So, you know, it's lean Cunningham to, to Kevin McKid. And he's like, what? I'm not going to kill a fucking dog. I don't have a problem killing a dog, but I'm not going to kill an innocent dog. Yeah. And the guy's like, you have no place on my team and fucking murders the dog. You get a four week time lapse. And this guy's now on another squad and the squad's on a training exercise. In the woods in Scotland, they get dropped off. All they know is they're going against a spec ops team. So it's like it's practice for them, right? Yeah. They do a really good job of, of making the squad like characters. Neil Marshall even said, I'm making a, mo a, a soldier movie with werewolves in it, right. not a werewolf movie with soldiers. And it comes in off. It. I will tell you, when I watch this movie, do you know what I get out of it? Fucking Predator. It is much more akin to Predator than a, a werewolf movie. I mean, definitely. There, there's some subtle differences like, you know, in Predator, they're all a bunch of hard asses. Yeah. Yeah, but in this movie, they're like rookies. Like, even when they get the guns, they, they can't figure out how the bolts work and shit, right? Like, and they're missing yeah. a lot and they're firing too much because only a couple of them are actually trained, right? They, they, they do have a campfire night and some bonding and they're telling stories and a cow gets thrown at them. The next day, they see a flare shot and they find this camp and there's like guns everywhere and ammo and there's blood and guts and they end up finding Captain Ryan from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, him and Private Cooper know each other. So they find him and he's got claws on his chest and he keeps saying there was only supposed to be one of them. Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, he's injured. He really was injured. We'll get to that. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, there's only supposed to be one of them. And they grab him and they end up getting surrounded by werewolves, basically. Yep. And they have to keep fucking retreating and they're running and they make it near a road and you see a Jeep coming and a girl jumps out. I mean, one of the, I think Spoon dives in front of the truck and almost dies. But the girl's like, get in the fucking car. And drives them to this farmhouse. And this is where it gets very evil dead. We're pinned down kind of thing. Yeah. And you have fucking Sergeant Welts. He ends up getting his fucking guts ripped out. Yeah. But he's like, just tuck that shit in and it won't fit. And yeah, he's, he's like, a yeah, badass. Well. So he's a badass. So you got him and Captain Ryan are injured. And they, they make it back to the house. And they're like, put on boiling water. And I was like, that comes into play later. But I thought it was kind of interesting. But they super glue his guts back in. 
They're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, he goes, I, I got I to gotta talk about that. Sorry, because yeah. he goes through the whole spiel when when they're gluing his guts together. And is like, you know why super glue gets stuck to your fingers? Because it's not glue. It's what they came up with in the Vietnam yeah. War to glue guys back to fucking together. Right. And that's <laughs> knock me out. That seems actually really interesting because Sean asked Neil Marshall if he could have a few drinks before they filmed the scene since he's supposed to be drunk on whiskey. Oh, really? And it, yeah. Neil Marshall's like, I don't know what a few was, but he went back in his trailer and drank and we shot it. So he's shit faced when they do that scene. <laughs> That's why he plays such a realistic drunk. Okay. And then when, when Kevin McKidd has to punch him to knock him out, he missed the fake punch and fucking clocks him in the nose. Do you notice how he dives down and leans and checks his face? Yeah. It's because he fucking hit him. No I'm shit. assuming Sean probably like winked at him or something. I don't know what happened, but that's the story. He fucking hit him. No kidding. But this is like a really interesting dynamic in the movie because they're trying to make a plan in this house and the werewolves aren't attacking them, even though they're outside. And I really get it. that the pack of werewolves is trying to make a plan like the squad is. I didn't think about it that way because there is that lull and they attack and then they'll retreat. Yeah. And then like when they, but when the werewolves retreat, you don't ever see it from the werewolves perspective, but from the soldiers, they're like, okay, let's regroup. And they try to come up with a plan. Yeah. And I really feel like that's happening on both sides. Okay. But you start to figure out that Megan, the girl that picked up the Jeep, she's a zoologist and she said she came to be one of nature and she really seems to know what's going on more, you know, than, than she's letting on. Yeah. Captain Ryan starts to not be injured anymore and, and starts to get really cocky. And they look and he doesn't have wounds anymore. No. That's because he's turning and he ends up shifting throughout the movie. You end up finding out that the farmhouse they're in is a family that she knew and stayed with. Megan did. And they're not there currently because they're probably the fucking pack of werewolves. And basically you get a siege on a movie. It's a home invasion movie <laughs> with fucking werewolves. Yeah. Right. And Megan ends up letting the wolves in the fucking house because she's one of them. And you get a couple cool fight scenes because... I mean, they try to blow up a barn at one point in time because they think the werewolves are in there, and they lose a couple of the lesser-known soldiers in the yeah. team. Bruce Campbell died early on, not the actor, but the the character, yeah. by impaling himself on a tree. But your core team, you got you know Sergeant Wells, Private Cooper, and Private Spoon are the main ones in there. And they try to hold their own, and they're you know they're shooting blindly when the monsters come through. They're dumping the hot boiling yeah. water on them, which is actually kind of clever. Cooper and Wells are the only ones that really know what's going on. And then Private Spoon somehow has a hand-to-hand combat fight with the fucking werewolf in the kitchen. Ask. He's the one who goes bonkers in the kitchen. Okay. Yeah, he goes straight up fisticuffs, punching the guy, the werewolf, beating him with pots. He stabs him with kitchen knives. And uh, when he finally gets outnumbered, they pick him up. He looks up and he goes, I hope you, I give you the fucking shit, you wimp. And then it eats him. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a hard ass, man. Wells quickly figures out that he's infected like Cooper. Yep. So they're trying to figure out a plan to at least get Cooper out of the house. Yeah. Megan had a camera, which they actually used the flash a lot earlier in the movie to distract the werewolves. I thought it was really cool. So he's getting pictures. So Wells gives him, you know, the roll of film and tells him to fucking get out of there. And you get this really cool chasing through the house, right? With, with Wells and Cooper. And they're like running room to room and barricading and like, uh, through the bathroom and shit. Yeah. Wells is trying to like fucking hairspray lighter torch the werewolves while Cooper stabbed a hole in the wall. So they get to the next room. Then they hide in like a cabinet, like an armoire and the underworld shoots the floor out. Yeah. So they go down the kitchen and then you see guts everywhere. And there's a Wells gave Spoon a watch earlier in the movie. And you see it in the guts. And Cooper's like, where's Spoon? And Wells goes, there is no Spoon, which is clearly a Matrix reference. I love it when fans of movies make movies and put shit like that in there. No. Cooper sneaks in the basement. Wells blows up the house as his eyes are turning yellow and his fangs are coming in. And does Cooper have a throwdown with the world? Yeah, he has a throwdown with Captain Ryan because Captain Ryan got impaled with a sword that was in the house. Yeah. Right. And he does that thing where he sticks it through his teeth. Oh, oh, it's kind of fucked up. I didn't even talk about the campers at the beginning of the movie. You see a couple camping. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it opens with them. Yeah, and they get attacked by werewolves. Yeah. But right before they get attacked, it's an anniversary. And I don't remember. I should know this because I've been married 10 years. But there's a silver anniversary somewhere in there. Okay. And they, you know what I mean? So that's yeah, what they yeah. call it. So she gives him a, a silver knife or silver letter opener. Well, he ends up finding that in the basement and fucking stabs Captain Ryan with it. And like, it does this like burning effect. Then he ends up killing Captain Ryan off and he walks out of the house and the sun's rising and everything's blown up to shit. Right. Yeah. Credits roll. You get this really cool newspaper scene because the whole game, the whole movie, they're bitching about missing a football game. Yeah. Like it was on the same day they're having their training exercise. So they even ask her, it's like, did you, do you have a TV? Do you know who won the game? (laughs) They're more concerned about that than the fucking pack of werewolves. (laughs) Newspaper pops up and it says like England five, Germany one. And then there's a little picture in the corner. That says my platoon was eaten by werewolves yeah. and it's like, nobody believes them. Like I said, it's a really fucking, it was a fun action movie. 
And if you like Predator, I feel like you would like this. It's a lot of Predators attacking. Yeah, I had, uh, I went ahead and rewatched this and realized about 20 minutes into it, I had watched it before. I'm not really into war movies per se, which right. that, the whole dynamic, like you said, with the squad is what's really important for driving the characters. And, uh, and they could have not been soldiers. They could have been a group of something else, but it worked for this. Yeah. And you didn't get that like over the top Rambo. We know how to use the guns because no. they didn't. They found the guns. They weren't the same ones. Yeah, they're they're out trained on a fucking with. training exercise. Yeah, and it's, they didn't know what the fuck they're doing except for Cooper and Wells. But to take a phrase somewhat from you, it scratched the horror itch for right. me. You know, as far as being a full-blown werewolf movie. The other thing I have to say about this movie is I love the look of the werewolves in this movie. I was about to say that because I forgot to do it during the movie. They're some of the best looking werewolves I've seen. The bodies are a little too lanky for my taste, but the heads were awesome. Yeah. They actually hired dancers. So dancers were on stilts in yep. the werewolf suits. So that way they'd have this like grace about them. They actually had a dancer in the werewolf suit for the same reason in Silver Bullet. That's I don't remember right. if it was Dino or Stephen King. One of them didn't like the way it looked. So the actor that played uh, Reverend Lowe ended up doing most of the werewolf scene. Oh, yeah, because he's credited like the second name in the credits and the last name. in the Yeah, because yeah, he's also the wolf. But um, yeah, they, they look like seven foot tall wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which just and they're bipedal. Like that's then, an important thing. I yeah. like bipedal werewolves more than I like more wolf like where they're running on all four legs. You know yeah. what I mean? And the other cool thing is with it being a newer movie, you may get mad that you don't see them enough, but stay in the credits and you'll see the werewolves much better. I'd miss that. Okay. Well, tell then, me what well, happened. Tell me it. more. Tell okay. me more. <laughs> you know how they do the, the, the bit with the camera twice, once upstairs and then again in the kitchen. Yeah. Well, during the credits, after it shows the newspaper, it shows all the still shots from the cameras. Oh when, yeah, when yeah. They were just using it for no, the No, flash. I saw that during the credits. I thought you meant okay. there was like a movie scene. No, 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 no. Just that. So it may be still images, but you get to see how good they really look. Cause to me, it looks like, if a werewolf just stood up seven foot tall, ready yeah. to fuck shit up, this is what it should look like. <laughs> it is really interesting, though. I saw Neil Marshall say that uh, he didn't have enough budget to do transformation scenes. Right. So you see werewolves a lot and you see like yellow eyes and fangs when they're transforming. Yeah. But he used old school cutaway tricks. Like when Captain Ryan changes in the kitchen, he's got the yellow eyes and the fangs and then he starts to fall over under the table and his claws on his hand drag down the table. And then a minute later, the wolf jumps up. So I really thought that was neat. Obviously, he had enough money to make some of the best looking werewolves I've ever seen. Yeah. Just not to have the in-between transformation process. Exactly. But I was really glad to finally see that movie because I always see it talked about in the, the movie cover. The poster always stands out to me. The next one I chose to talk about is also highly recommended. And that's Late Phases. Came out in 2014. I had not seen this before. Did you? No, I hadn't even heard of it. So that's, I mean, I've seen it on Reddit a lot. Like on Dreaded, it's all okay. over the fucking place. So. To me, there, I guess there are some well-known actors in it. Like you, Ethan Embry's the son, Will, right? So he's in all sorts of shit. I always think of Empire Records. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say Empire Records and uh, that thing you do. Lance Guest is in the movie. So he was Alex in The Last Starfighter, which is one of my favorite childhood movies. He's also in Halloween too. He's the paramedic. Okay. Yeah. Um, he plays a guy that works with the, with the Reverend at the church. It's another werewolf movie with the Reverend in it. And then Ambrose, the main character, played by Nick Domici. He's fucking fantastic in the movie. I understand he was in a vampire movie called Stakeland that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I want to see it after watching this. Yeah, he was fucking awesome in this movie. And it, he plays a blind 70-something-year-old man. The guy's 50 in real life, so they aged him really well with makeup. And he's he played a blind guy great. He said that he purposely would only use his uh, peripheral to know what he was doing, and that was how he figured out how to be blind. Yeah. Robert Kurtzman did the special effects on this movie. So yeah. I, I, he separated from KNB at some point, right? Yeah, 2002. Oh, okay. So this is fucking 12 years. Past, yeah. yeah. I'm going to butcher the director's name. Adrian Garcia Bagliano. I from think here, it's from here on referred to as Adrian. Yeah. yeah. He, <laughs> he just came off of a movie when he got the script for this and he didn't want to make a werewolf movie, but then he saw the script and he's like, all right, I'll fucking make this werewolf movie. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, like it opens up at a cemetery and will the son is taking ambrose's dad to pick out a grave plot and he's yeah. like this will fucking do i'll be dead you know like he's really got a grumpy old man kind of attitude about it and you find out the wife's dead and he gets checked into a retirement home yeah and there's a garage sale and he walks around because he hears a woman talking he starts hitting on her immediately the director purposely wanted to have like a stepford wives fill so there's like three women that show up together yeah They're all acting the same one of them's uh mary ann or ginger or somebody from gilligan's island one of them's from the Stepford Wives. Yep. One of them's from uh, When a Stranger Calls. So you got a horror fan making a horror movie here again. You're not really sure where this movie's going to go. You got a 77 year old man in a retirement home with his uh, with Shadow, his seeing eye dog. 
He goes into his house for the night. His son's got the furniture there or, or most of it. And the son's gone and he's by himself. And his neighbor who was having the garage sale that he was hitting on gets attacked by a fucking werewolf opening scene of the movie, not opening scene. But yeah. Like you're only like in. four or five minutes in at this point. So she's getting mauled. And of course he's blind. So he can see And I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> I'm keeping that. He, uh, <laughs> he can smell and hear very well. Yeah. Right. So he hears her getting mauled. Plus it's a fucking seven foot tall werewolf. Right. So he's listening in on the wall and the fucking werewolf smashes the wall. He tries to prep himself. He has a gun. You don't know what the blind guy's going to do with the gun. Yeah. It's always werewolf, terrifying. Werewolf kills the neighbor and then goes into his house. Cause I guess he knows he's there and tries to come up the stairs and ends up killing the seeing eye dog. I don't actually remember how Ambrose ended up not dying. I don't know. I just remember it cutting to him laying there on the floor with holding his dead dog. I want to say maybe he hit upstairs and the world just killed the dog and he was good with it and left. Right. Anyway. But uh, it cuts the next day. The neighbor's dead and he's sitting there holding his dog crying. The police are there. He kind of tells them a little bit about what's going on. But at this point, he decides he's just he's going to be a fucking detective and do this himself. The director purposely wanted it to feel like a Western. Yeah, I get that vibe. I also got uh, was it Blind Fury or whatever with um, Ruger Hauer? Yeah, yeah, where he's, he's like, like the blind samurai. Yeah, so I kind of felt that a little bit too. He basically does his own investigating. He he figures out where the blood goes, like a blood trail, and he follows it to figure out which houses it goes to. He starts interviewing people on his own. He digs a grave for his dog, and you you get this movie he is digs a, that grave for a while. It gets used to full effect later, right? <laughs> but this movie's really like a character piece. Oh, totally. Because you start off with the werewolf attack, and they don't do that three nights of a full moon shit. It's one night of a full moon. Yep. And he's like, I got 30 days to prep to kill this motherfucker. It killed my dog. Yeah, because they start talking about later on in the movie about how about every every month or so, it seems there's something that happens out of this retirement community. And they're like, oh, it's in the woods, right? Yeah. And I don't actually want to spoil who the werewolf is in this one. No. I feel like, yeah, this is a good one. It's like a whodunit, kind of. Yeah, because I, I didn't, I watched it just for this. I hadn't seen it back in the day, and I had no clue <laughs> until... Un- until it was revealed. <laughs> right, right. He, he does his own investigating. He gets silver bullets made. Yep. But he also gets, he's like, can you make me silver shotgun shells or shotgun pellets? Why has nobody ever fucking done that in a movie before? I know, right? I mean, and the guy's like, that's going to take longer. Yeah. In my Monster Hunter International books, they're like a military team. And they have, of course, silver buckshot in there. But I've never seen anybody do that in a movie. But he gets a few bullets made and the buckshot. And he starts going to this church because uh, he can meet more people that way because the bus will come pick you up every Sunday, right? Yeah. And he really is. He's just a grumpy old man. He says so many asshole comments. Like when he finds the guy, he starts going to people's houses and acting like he's lost because he's blind. And he finds the husband in the iron lung. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> but he preps, gets this giant tombstone ordered for his dog, right? And that's set up at a hole. Booby traps the house a little bit, puts on his dress blues, loads his gun. And uh, the fucking, you find out who the werewolf is before the attack, right? Yeah. Before the full moon phase. I guess it's the day of the full moon, so he's sort of wolfy. Goes around and starts biting neighbors. Starts starts making a pack. Yeah, he makes a pack, and those people are calling the police saying, like, you know, but it's old people, so they just think everybody's crazy. Yeah. Well, full moon happens, they all shift into werewolf form. Werewolves, I'm hit or miss on if I like the way they look or not. Oh, dude, in this movie, I hate them. They look like a cross between a Sumatran rat monkey mm-hmm. and Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko. Zingaya. <laughs> uh, they, they're they rough. Here's the thing. Oh, man, they look rough. real. Like the, the movement and the fur and the claws. Yeah. But they don't look like fucking werewolves, too. No. They've right? got, no, they they have weird rat faces and bunny ears. Man. I, don't, I don't know what Kurtzman was doing. but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But a pack of werewolves comes and attacks his house. And he fucking he uses a superhero. Oh, it's a retirement home, so he finds a uh, hearing, hearing aids, aids. Yeah, and and he cranks the volume up because he's already got like that daredevil super hearing, anyways. <laughs> and then he's got the hearing aid, and like they try to come up through the window when he hears them growl. He fucking headshots one of them. Yeah, uh, another one comes to the house, and it's in front of a door. And the director told Kurtzman, he goes, "Hey, there's a scene in Quentin Tarantino's Pulp Fiction where Bruce Willis gets killed in front of the door, and he just gets blasted and, and thrown through the door." I want the scene like this in my movie. What's the, uh, it's not Bruce Willis. It's John Travolta. John Travolta. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So John Travolta getting shot to there. So this is what the director tells Kurtzman. Kurtzman goes, I did that scene in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. (laughs) So he he does it just like it. And, and he blasts that werewolf and he's basically doing it by growls. He drops the heavy tombstone on one of them in the hole. I don't remember how the werewolf ends up in the hole. Is it because the smell of the dog? Like he planned all this out. Yeah. There was something that he threw in there to get it to go down in there. Yeah. But I mean, you, you see really early on that he does not give, I mean, before the werewolves, before the retirement community at the, 
at the cemetery and he picks his grave plot, he does not care if he lives or dies. His wife's gone. Oh, no. he's Yeah, yeah he has already checked out. And that's what part of what was really interesting is, is if you look at it, it's character driven. Like you yeah. said, we've got the father and the son. Mom's gone. The son's shipping the father off to a retirement. Blind father off right. to a retirement community. And uh, this isn't like a, a hospital setup. Right. This is like houses in a neighborhood. Yeah. So you have the story. And he's not happy about it. He's he's a little bit torn, but he's got his wife, you know, that's kind of pulling him away right. from dad and everything. But it's really, really cool because. I don't like these kind of movies in, in general, there's not a lot of action in this movie, but I was sucked right in because Nick Dimitri's fucking awesome right. in this movie. There's not a lot of action until that like 10, 15 minute yeah. ending. Like he just goes balls. Well, I did leave out. I feel bad. He's a military vet. I don't think I said that. Yeah. And, and he says that a lot of times in the movie and that's why he has weapons. That's exactly. why he's trained. And that's what makes it work because when he realizes he has the 30 days, like there's almost not really a montage, but like he's got all of his water over here, all of his toilet paper over here. He's working out. He's counting steps in different directions. Right. He's setting up the stuff. So when the shit goes down a month later, he, he has it all planned right. out. And I should dump all over this, but I totally believe it. Right. Right. Third no, act, no, yeah. I totally believe it this makes guy sense. fighting off the werewolves being blood. And as cheesy as we said, the werewolves look, I feel like we got to talk about the transformation scene. The transformation scene is fucking phenomenal. Okay. That, that I'll give you the face yeah. part. That's, that's awesome. Very, did you ever watch him Grove? No. So the way the transformations work in that movie is he's, a, he looks like an actual werewolf or actual wolf when he transforms, but the wolf tears out of the guy's body, like the okay. snout will rip out of his mouth and shit like that. And then he'll eat what's left of the human body. The wolf does and then run off to do his thing. Okay. And then the human bust out of the wolf the next day. So it's kind of like their skin gotcha. changes. And I kind of feel like they did that because there's like, you can tell there's like air pumps and stuff on the legs. And like, he starts pumping up and he like rips his face off and the wolf head comes out. Yeah. But there's a funny thing about that. The way they wanted to do that scene. And I don't know if it was the director or Kurtzman that wanted to do it, but they wanted to use the special camera that you program and it records from multiple angles at the same time. Yeah. They spent three days trying to film the transformation scene, but nobody knew how to use the camera. They had to fucking just not use the camera. Yeah. And then they just recorded it from two different angles and spliced it. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of funny. They wasted all that time. But as shitty as the werewolves look, like I said, they look real. They just don't look like werewolves. Transformation, no. though, it's kind of up there with American Werewolf in London. It, it's, I'd like it more if they didn't do the hand shot during yeah. that transformation trying to look like American Werewolf in London. We regularly say on this podcast that directors like to do homages and, and, and throwbacks and stuff to movies and that's what that was. I feel like you can't yeah. that's the big werewolf movie, right? Yeah. It's American Werewolf in London. So you have to do a throwback on that. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let it pass on that one. Now what's funny about this is when we talked about doing this episode I literally blurted out the first three werewolf movies that came to mind. Right. Luckily this one came out first. Right. Or I would have taken it. It's one of the classics. It is the classic. Yeah right? it is the classic so I hope I don't have to go into a lot of detail here but uh, what's interesting to me at least the takeaway here is everybody credits this as being the first horror comedy and John Landis is not happy about that because <laughs> he's said so many times that he was just making a horror movie that had some comedy in it. Right. And it's done very well. Like the two guys at the beginning are fucking fantastic, like bouncing off each other. Yeah. And, and you know, cause they're what they're going camping or hitchhiking or whatever. Yeah. They're just backpacking, backpacking. There we go. Backpacking through Europe. So they're pretty funny. And then there's like lines thrown in between them two later in the movie. Yeah. It's funny. And then uh, the nurse hitting on him. But other than that, it's a horror movie. But what, what you got to remember about John Landis is, so he had done, the closest thing he had done to horror was schlock back in, oh, what was it? I don't even remember what year, like 73. I don't even know what schlock is. Um, It's like Taste the Golden Spray. If you catch that, that reference, he wrote, directed, and starred in it where okay. he's an ape man that lives in the ground, okay. comes up and kills people and goes back down there. And what like the, the fuck, the body count's supposed to be ridiculous on it. My John Landis is this and fucking uh, thriller. <laughs> okay, but he did Kentucky Fried Movie, Animal House, The Blues Brothers. Oh, that's right, he did Animal House and The Blues Brothers. So I it's like, how those. is this guy not going to make a comedy out of this? Um, but he had actually he wrote it in '69. He was in somewhere in like Eastern Europe working on an, on someone else's movie. Okay. I forget what movie it was and saw on the side of the road, a legit gypsy burial. Okay. And they were burying this guy in a narrow hole feet first. Okay. And it's like asking what's up with this. And it's like, so he doesn't come back up from the dead. Okay. <laughs> and that was part of what got the whole ball rolling on how he ended up writing the movie. And, uh, 
schlock is an important thing because Rick Baker mm-hmm. made the schlock suit okay. that he wore in that. And in 73, he already had the script. So he gave it to Rick Baker and started talking to him. Hey, if we did this, how the hell would we do this werewolf thing? Right. And Rick Baker's like, give me enough time and enough money and I'll make something happen. So when the time came around to do the movie, they started production on the werewolf and all all the practical effect shots 10 months before principal okay. photography, which back then, because I don't even remember what the budget was on this movie, but it wasn't ginormous. That was a lot of time to get ready for that. And of course, I'm going to talk more about the fucking transformation scene than I am anything else, because that's that's what everybody talks about. So whatever. If you've never seen this movie, you got two things you got to do. One. Watch this fucking movie. Yeah, because it's a great movie just as it is. Two, go to YouTube and type American Werewolf in London transformation scene. I mean, I was convinced that they actually captured a werewolf and locked him in a living room (laughs) on a full moon and let him transform to make this fucking scene. It looks that real. Yeah, because at this point, now this gets, people get confused because I think Howling came out the same year. Rick Baker worked on that as well. Not not as much time as money put right. into that transformation, but very, very similar setup. What did Rick Baker not work on in the seventies and eighties? You know what I mean? Like, well, well, yeah. I mean, I didn't even realize that he had worked on fucking star Wars. Hey, he does all sorts of shit. Man. Like, I mean, Rick Baker's a shit. legend. And uh, yeah, I even wear my hair like him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John Landis wanted the transformation to be painful. Yeah. Number one was you're not going to just have this guy like the old Wolfman movies sit in a chair and hair grow out of him and now he's the Wolfman. Right. Um, so there's a lot of work that went into this process and it's a very painful experience to go through watching it if you I, haven't seen this right. before. And if you think about what a werewolf would have to go through to transform, like there should be bones breaking and resetting in different places yep. and stuff. And, and growing and shit, fucking muscles moving around. and. That happens in this fucking movie and it looks real as shit. And I'm pretty sure that's like where that trope or I don't even know if it's called a trope. But that's where that came from. It feels like to me was this fucking movie. Yeah. But the, the quick synopsis is so they're walking along in the middle of nowhere. Right. And they go to this this bar, the Slaughtered Lamb. It's like a Dungeons Dragons fucking <laughs> pub. Yeah. They see the mark of the fucking werewolf on the wall. The it's a pentagram. Yeah. And I think one of the guys actually says something like, oh, that's like the symbol in the old Universal Pictures Wolfman movie. Yeah, like, he says that in the movie. And there's so many lines like that that don't, I guess they, those weren't supposed to come off as comedic lines, and they do. Right. Well, the actors were both very charismatic. Yeah. But they they get told, if you're walking out here, stay on the road, stay clear of the moors. Stick to the roads. That is the fucking quote oh, to take be, away from And here. beware the moon. Yeah, yeah. So under a full moon, they veer off the road and into the moors. And it's really, it's the assholes in the fucking pub's fault because they won't give them anything to drink or eat. Yeah. Because they're like outsiders, but they send them out there where they know there's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. Well, I think one of them even gets like uh, the lady behind the bar. She's like, you can't send those boys out right. there like that. Of course they get attacked by a damn werewolf. It's so funny though, because they're walking, they are sticking to the roads and they're talking and they're telling stories. And the road curves and they don't. And they're yeah. walking through a field. They just keep on going. And they hear the howl and he's like, oh, fuck, stick to the roads. Like, he realizes, yeah. like they know they done fucked up at this point. Yeah, they go through the whole the whole bit. Of, they're like, well, let's go this way. Oh, now it's this way. Oh, let's go this way. Oh, now it's this way. <laughs> I always get their names mixed up because you've got David and Jack. Yeah, Jack is. So fucked. David's the werewolf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jack is fucked. <laughs> yeah, Jack gets. Do you, do you mind if I go into the scene? Because I just so vividly go for it. it. Fucking the werewolf dives to the air. You don't even see it. It's so fast and lands on Jack and just starts fucking mauling him. It's yeah. pretty graphic, really, for the time. And then David, fucking run for us, run. <laughs> <laughs> he takes off and he's running so fast. And I'm thinking, I don't know what to think about this scene, though, because it's like, do you try to save your best friend? Because he doesn't even look at him. No, like, he just oh, takes fuck, the werewolf fuck off. And he takes off running. Yeah. But I think if you'd have stopped to save his friend, I would have said, what an idiot. Why didn't you run? So I'm really torn in this scene because it's done so well. Yeah, the scene's done so well because he's hauling ass and then he just stops. He goes, Jack. And he turns, <laughs> he turns around. around. And, and then, of course, he gets attacked by the werewolf. Yeah, he gets scratched. But the guys from the, the slaughtered lamb show up, shoot the werewolf. It's too late for Jack. Yeah, he's about. Oh, uh, yeah, it's too late for Jack. David's <laughs> about to get mauled because it actually lands on him. Yeah. And he just gets blasted off. But that that's another question that I have for the movie. If everybody knew about the werewolf and they knew all they had to do was fucking shoot it, why didn't they ever kill it before? I know. And that's one of the things that happens in this one is that's all it takes. Like whatever would would kill a human, a human or a wolf. Yeah. yeah it's kills it. kill it. And it, it's really interesting. I wanted to say, I was hoping you'd say this at the beginning and you didn't. When the title cards are popping up and they're backpacking mm-hmm. at the beginning before they get slaughtered lamb, 
The first title card you see is a Lycanthrope Films limited production. I did not catch that at all, man. <laughs> like, and it looks so cheesy when it pops up. I'm like, is this a real version of the movie I'm streaming right now? <laughs> <laughs> but it's fucking fantastic. I think I was probably like getting my laptop set up for the rewatch to make notes and didn't catch it. But the the movie, real quick, what, what goes through is, of course, David starts having fucked up nightmares. Right. And I really like that because Werewolfism... You know, some movies try to make it a science thing and a DNA. I like it being a curse. Yeah. And on movies that you see it from the world's perspective, they always have these fucked up beast-like dreams. And I really like that because it kind of shows the duality of the animal and the human to me. Yeah. But his go beyond that with Nazi fucking werewolves. That had to be where Rob Zombie got the idea for his grindhouse trailer. Nazi fucking monsters come in and shoot up his family in one of his nightmares. But at the same time, so he thinks he's going crazy. At the same time, while he's having these nightmares in the hospital... Fucking Jack shows up. Oh, yeah. Zombie Jack. Zombie Jack, who you get to see, like, rot away more and more throughout the movie. (laughs) And it looks so good. Yeah, first he just looks human with, like, claw marks that are bleeding. And then he just becomes more and more of a zombie, basically. Yeah, by the time they get to the porno theater, he's an animatronic or a puppet. I don't know if you caught this in the dialogue, but Jack tells David that he's the last of the werewolf line. It's not not the old trope of, if you kill the werewolf that that made me. Because, basically, the way the curse works in this movie, if, if you get attacked by the werewolf and live you get the curse and you're a werewolf yeah if you get attacked by the werewolf and die you become a member of the living dead exactly and now they're in this fucking limbo right but but jack specifically says it's not kill the werewolf responsible he says you're the last in the line of werewolves yeah he tells him to kill himself yeah i mean he tells him to kill himself (laughs) but i just thought that was like really interesting it's like there was only one werewolf left in the entire world i was running around in the woods there and it happened to attack these guys yeah and i guess it's because they know not to leave the town, like nobody ever goes outside, so nobody ever gets attacked, maybe? Maybe. I just thought it was really interesting that he's the only werewolf left in the world at this point. Yeah. And I never caught that until this time watching the movie. <laughs> I've seen this movie at least 20 times, you know, so. Yeah, this is one I hadn't seen in years and had a real good time going back to. But he ends up, you know, shacking up with the nurse. Yeah, the nurse is kind of hot, and um, she's hitting on him a lot. And she it, wants, she's like, you're a cute American. You can come stay with me, which is very quick and abrupt. It's her flat that he yeah. first changes it. Oh, we're using flat again? Yeah, <laughs> totally going for it. It, it's kind of that's what's going on is you're watching him slip into this and then Jack coming up ever decomposing, telling him what he is and what he has to do. He goes out a couple of times and has killed a couple of people. So by the time we get to the porno theater, which right. uh, John Landis wrote and shot the porno they're watching. That's why okay. it's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's a really like ridiculous plot line, fake porno. Yeah. Too. But now but, there's more people along with Jack. Like, yeah, yeah you should kill yourself because <laughs> it's one of those movies where I guess there's three nights of the full moon. Right. Yeah. But one of the best lines in the fucking movie is, is when he's at the nurse's house after he's been staying there a while and, and banging. It's the first night of the full moon and it's going to be the first time he transforms. And and Jack tells him to kill himself. And he's like, I will not be threatened by walking meatloaf. Yeah, he says right. that to him. But when he starts transforming and it's fucking like it's so weird, like his foot gets longer. Yeah. Right. And his hand gets longer and his spine's popping and he starts screaming in, in, in pain. And he goes, I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another funny line. But yeah, you get that first transformation scene and he looks like he's going to be a seven foot tall bipedal werewolf, but yeah. he ends up being like a wolf. Yeah. He ends up, yeah. He ends a up dire being wolf, on, maybe he's big, but he's on all fours. He's big and on all fours. And they did that with a guy in a suit on a board. Okay. So basically you've got hands up front for the Okay. Palms. And then the, the board's moving him like on a dolly yeah, or something. Yeah, with guys behind but him. But he murders what, like a couple, like a rich couple. And yeah. he murders uh, some homeless guys. They're sitting around a barrel with yep. fire in he it, right? He murders the, the business guy down in the tubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which actually, that's a really cool shot. The shot down the escalator when the guys the guy comes running up and then down at the very bottom, you see the wolf rig come into frame. You get an idea for how big he is. And that's, right. that's, there's so much comedy in the movie, but it does the thing that makes why I love horror comedy is you get a laugh and let your guard down and then something shocking happens and you're more scared by it. If I had to like rank the top movies to do like actual terrifying horror and comedy. This is, I don't know where it's in there, but it's really high up in the yeah. list because I mean, the movie's got some scary fucking scenes and then it'll make me laugh my ass off at the same time. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen it, I'll leave the end out, but it, it, it ends on a downer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of downers. <laughs> so the next movie that I picked was American werewolf in Paris. Why? Josh, why? Okay. Remember when we were talking about slashers, there was one movie that you said you had fond memories of from watching it when you were younger. And when you went back and watched it, you wish you had left it that way. Right. 
Okay, that's what this movie is for me. You do recall that we saw this movie together. That doesn't surprise me. That we saw it in about the right together. Time. Yeah. And we blockbustered this motherfucker and like just watched it for a whole weekend. We well, had a Bush song in it. Of course we had to and go see it. it. The soundtrack <laughs> is so 90s in this movie, but it's so fucking 90s awesome. For anyone who hasn't seen it, this was a spiritual sequel to the 81 classic. Right. And um, the reason it was set in Paris was at one point during American Werewolf in London, there were some permitting issues or something, and they almost moved the whole production to Paris. And that's okay. where it was going to be set instead of London. But with the late 90s extreme theme, oh, yeah. Mountain Dew. <laughs> the Daredevil tour, right? <laughs> we got the Daredevil tour going, and it's these three guys that are going around Europe doing stunts, trying to one-up each other. And uh, we've got Tom Everett Scott. I love him in Dead Man on Campus. That's yeah, what oh, I yeah. always come back to. He's great in that. Like, he was great in, in uh, that thing you do, though. Like, yes. He, he had his heyday. He, the- he is, at least back then, he is, to me, what Kevin Smith refers to as Ben Affleck. Like, I watch that guy in anything. Like, yeah. Like, there's, I, I can almost put Tom Everett Scott there. But he goes to bungee jump off the Eiffel Tower. That's yeah. his big, he's been trailing behind in the points. And that's yeah. what he's going to do. Well, it's because they're counting sex points, too, right? And he's yeah. A, he's, oh, he's, he's a nice so guy. So fucked on the sex points. So there's this girl. I always say her name wrong. Uh, Seraphine. Yeah, it's Seraphine. Okay. Seraphine is friggin' standing there on the ledge up on the Eiffel Tower about to jump. Yeah, because they think it's like the police or something coming, right? Yeah. Because like, they're like tying off to jump and then they hide and, they hear and she the comes noise. out. Yeah. yeah. And so we get this really, for the time, I mean, it was a really cool scene where she jumps, he jumps behind her and it's like, okay, he's going to catch her and bungee jump. He forgot to fucking tie off because they got distracted when they heard the noise. So the right. guys are like grabbing the bungee cord and everything. And they do the thing where they get all the way stretched out and her shoe slips off in his hand. And it's she Cinderella. Gently, yeah, gently lands on the ground. But I mean, what ensues is he's off to find this girl. And the montage scene when he sends them to find the suicide notes and get her name. Yeah, it's so 90s, but it's so well done. The guy, his friends are funny. Mainly yeah. the, the I don't. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, it's a shitty movie. The fucking one that makes it. It's pre-2000. You can spoil it. <laughs> the one with the longer hair that makes it. He's yeah. pretty funny in the movie. But them going around trying to find the note is fucking hilarious. The thing is, like, it's not a good movie. It's not. It's a fun movie. This is one if you just sat and read the script. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, fuck, yeah. Somebody make this movie. There's a lot of elements in this movie that, like, this almost bridges to Underworld. Yeah. In some sense. Yeah. I guess the CGI, <laughs> which back then, I guess it was okay. I, Nowadays, it's dog shit. See, I thought we made fun of the world CGI when we saw it. I like don't kids, Like, I say kids, but we were, when did this movie come out? Uh, we were probably 15. So I thought it was more recent than that. But anyways, yeah, we were definitely late teens, at least. Mid to late teens. Yeah. But I remember making fun of the special effects and being like, God damn it, why aren't they using practical effects? Because I was fucking asshole and I bitched about that even when I was 15. Yeah. Funniest thing I noticed between the two movies. I'm sure there's different cuts and versions of the movies. Yeah. But the two that I own are both exactly one hour and 37 minutes. Oh, really? They had to have done that on purpose, right? Maybe. Like, there's there's no way it's a coincidence. But yeah, American Wolf in London and Paris are both exactly one hour and 37 minutes. That's crazy. In Paris, what you find out is Seraphine has, uh, she turned into a werewolf, attacked, killed her mother, attacked her father. Right. Because the opening scene in the movie, you see a guy running for his life yeah. and he gets pulled into a sewer. His legs his legs. Yeah. And that's her dad. Yeah. So she's been working on this serum to keep it under control. The dad was working on the serum. He was working on it. And so, yeah. and so now so, she's continuing the work. So the serum backfires. That's what I was. That yeah. was the whole point of what yeah. I was getting to. So that's how the dad <laughs> ended up losing his legs. He thought he had perfected the serum and he shot her up with it. On, and yep. she turns outside of a and full moon. It, yeah. And instead, it's just instant werewolf. Right. And uh, so you got this this other the other guy that was her former she turned him. No, she, he stole her blood. Cause they, yeah. they fuck up at the end of the movie about who created who. Okay. So you got these guys that are getting together at the club to eat the Americans and they can just shoot this shit up and eat the Americans. We don't forget. There was the first club scene and that's how Tom Everett's guy gets bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of glossed over that, but he impales the werewolf with like an iron bar. Yep. And that kind of comes into play. And, and one of his buddies gets eaten. But yeah, so you see one version of the party and then you see, cause they go looking for Seraphine, right? And the yeah. guy is like, oh, come to this party. It's very, all of this is very hostile. Like, yeah, think about it. But yes, yeah, so they go to the party and that's how one of the friends dies and the other one gets infected to begin with, right? Yeah. And then you get the second party, but they stole the serum, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the they Nazi have, world. Yeah, they've off. already raided her house and they have they have the serum and it's just, it's going to be a bloodbath. Right. And it, it, there's so many, like I said, if you, if you read the script, it sounds like this is going right. to be a great movie, but it falls short in so many spots. But 
15-year-old Josh really liked this movie. I wish I would have left it that way, but that's why I I wanted to bring it up. And they did, like, I know we're kind of talking about it, and it seems completely different from the original, which it is. But it it kept some of it, like, he goes on a date, and he accidentally changes and kills the girl. Yeah. And then she's a zombie, like, you need to fucking kill yourself. So, like, she's the Jack kind, and she's one that's prominent. I forgot about that whole thing. Like, like with her, all the comedy with that is really good. Um, The CGI with her walking in and out of stuff always makes me think of the Frighteners. Right. It just has that whole feel and look to it. Um, and I never really thought about it. Really, that's like the frighteners when you see her. Um, another main difference is I would say David's the bad guy in London. Yeah, and, I mean he's not. He's a guy that's cursed and he turns yeah. into it. In this movie, he's really like he's the hero. Like he's like, oh, there's these Nazi werewolves and I'm gonna stop them. And I feel like that was like another '90s terrible fucking choice. Yeah, like you know you got to make him the hero and do that, and he couldn't just be like a tortured soul. No, he's got to be the hero. He's got to get the girl. It it it's all. That crap. There's so many like just random funny scenes. Like when he's having the dream and and uh, he's freaking out and she sits on him, takes her shirt off and her tits come out. Yeah. And she grabs the hands like this will help you. No, like it just has so many funny well, comments. Yeah. Well, because it does that and then he wakes up and he's like, oh, that was a dream. And then she's sitting on top of him with a shirt on and she's she's like, oh, let me relax you. And she pulls the shirt off and there's fur under it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the movie it's really funny actually. This yeah. one is way more of a comedy than the first. Oh, it, one it is straight up a comedy first and and horror movie second. And uh, just had to make mention of it. Like like you said, we saw it in theaters. I remembered it so fondly, but not anymore. I thought it was very interesting that you know you only got to pick three werewolf movies. <laughs> and that was one of them picked that one but i, I guess it's kind of cool because of your memory of it and and there's so many movies on here that we did not see together growing yeah. up but like that was one of them. Yeah. So, it was actually I, I wasn't mad that i rewatched it you know for the podcast now moving on to one that we didn't watch together and that i guess you're mad if you <laughs> i was mad that i had to rewatch this fucking piece of shit ginger snaps <laughs> from 2000 I think there's a lot of interesting things in this movie. As a whole, it it comes off clunky. It it is a very non-technical movie. It is. It is also a very shitty werewolf movie. I'm going to make so many people mad because <laughs> this movie is on every top werewolf list also. And and it went back to like me and David like we late phases wasn't out yet and we wanted to watch late phases and dog soldiers. We couldn't find dog soldiers. So we got ginger snaps. Yeah. And they're like we're going to have werewolf movie night. Let's watch it. Oh, <laughs> so it's it's not a werewolf movie. No. It really is a, a coming of age movie. Yeah. With this chick getting the curse, as they call it, her period. Right. And getting away from her sister, away from her family and nobody understanding her. Oh, and she's aware, becoming a werewolf at the same time, by the way. Yeah. And that, <laughs> you know, like man stalks and kills right, right. babysitter. <laughs> like, like this is this is the pitch for the movie that I'm making. The sister dynamics kind of cool because they're really weird, odd, gothy like kids. Well, see, and that's what's interesting about it because this movie went into production right after Columbine. Yes, yeah, so I, so I bet they could have affected a lot. You got these two sisters that are all, all, all but goth, but they're so detached they have a suicide pact. They're right. only about a year year apart in age. They're a year apart, but the younger sister is a year ahead in school. Yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah. And so we see the whole thing play out with the hip girls, the mean girls being mean to him while they're playing right. field hockey. I still don't buy these two outcast girls actually participating in field hockey. Like she throws down the cigarettes like, oh, it's time yeah, for me like, to play. It's so unbelievable. <laughs> like she's smoking on the field hockey field next to the teachers until it's her turn to throw the cigarette down. Yeah. And then they just beat the shit out of each other. The teacher doesn't do anything. Yeah. The the movie opens up with this woman finding her dog ripped to shreds. And you find out real quick that there's dogs been going missing in yeah. the town. And after this event happens at school, the the sisters decide they're going to play a prank on the mean girl that's been being mean to him. Take some. I don't know if it was they actually got parts from a dead dog or what, but they're going to go make it look like her dog had been killed and just steal it. Not Ginger, but what's the other sister's name? Like Bridget? Bridget. Bridget, during the field hockey game, gets knocked down into a dog corpse. That's, that's what it was. They, that's where okay. they get the corpse from. See, I watched the movie, even though I don't like it. <laughs> on the way to do that. She realizes that she just got the curse because neither yeah. one of them have gotten their period yet. They have to talk about this in the movie. All of a sudden, she gets attacked by something and drug off into the woods and then makes her way back to Bridget. And they go running and the local pot dealer hits whatever <laughs> it was with his van. I don't remember if it splats and they think it's dead or what. And I just rewatched this movie recently. It killed it. So we go through this very long transformation process and the the makers of the movie actually had it set in 13 stages. Okay. That there wasn't going to be, there's the moon, I'm going to change type thing. 
I actually thought that was neat because as we move on through the movie, she starts doing crazier shit. She she screws this one guy. She starts yeah. smoking weed. The younger sister's like feeling so alone right now because she's moving on for me. She doesn't want to have anything right. to do with me now. And she calls her out for it. You're like, you're sleeping with guys. You're doing drugs. So by the time we get to the Halloween party, she's like already half changed. Right. But it's cool because it's a costume party at the Halloween party when she goes. So it's okay that she looks halfway like a werewolf. Meanwhile, the younger sister has been researching with the weed dude about the whole thing and come to find out that there's monkshood, wolfbane, Mm -hmm. they can try to use to change her back. They don't know if it's going to work. It's just like, this is the only thing we got. So they make up a batch of it, straight up heroin style. And uh, <laughs> it really is. they go and test it on the dude that she slept with. Because apparently he's changing too, just from having sex with her. Unprotected sex. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's 2000. Everybody's having unprotected sex. Well, the, uh, Bridget makes a big deal out of it. I don't want to give away the end of the movie. I don't want to say what happens with what ends up in the shed that the mom finds and right. stuff like that. Um, That's but, the funniest part of the movie though. Is when the <laughs> mom's like, we can fucking, I'll turn that, the gas on, blow up the house. Yeah. We can fucking move on. No, that, that is the funniest part of the movie because that's what she says. She's like, well, what about dad? And it's like, your dad's just going to say this was my <laughs> fault. But it really goes to show how, how crazy right. the fucking mom was. And it gives you some insight into why these two girls are so fucking weird. And the dad that's just, Oh fuck. I had girls. I don't know what to do. Right. I mean, if I could, tear down this movie a little bit, I guess like we're not really one of those podcasts, but this movie is so well received. I just feel like I should voice why I don't like it. And maybe you can fix me. Right. But <laughs> I'm okay with the coming of age story part. Okay. I thought that was like a new thing to do. I'm okay with some of the way they did some of the transitioning parts of their lives, but I feel like they weren't trying to make a funny movie. Like I feel no. like they, I feel like they think they made a serious movie through and through and it's not. It's done like a, a 90s comedy to me. Well, see, that's the thing. When you're watching this movie, what 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 I have to do in my headspace is pretend that it was made in the early to mid 90s. Not the comedy angle, but pretend it was made like six years before it actually was. See, and it makes it easier. I have a problem <laughs> with a movie if you have to hypnotize yourself to fucking <laughs> enjoy it. Okay. But you have that and it's supposed to be a werewolf movie in like. I don't know. She gets claws randomly, like early in the, like, I think even before she has sex with the guy. Yeah. Right. And they're just permanently there. It'll, she grows a fucking tail that looks pathetic. First the, of all, the tail is like, weird. Duct taping it to her fucking leg. I mean, the girl is fucking great in the movie. Yeah. Like I don't Catherine like Catherine Isabel. Yeah. Catherine Isabel's great in the movie, but I don't like the other sister that much. Like the faces she makes, the yeah. shitty wig. Like, I don't know. She's like too awkward, I think. But like, I just feel like she is. That's what I I just don't get about it is those two main things. It's they, I think they thought they were making a serious movie and it is not serious. So it just kind of falls flat in that part. And I don't like the half transformation bullshit, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, even at the end, I guess she finally turns into a werewolf, but then even yeah, that the thing looks end. like Sumatra Rat Monkey. Yeah. Jimmy. By the time she's finally turned, it does not look good. For the second time in a werewolf podcast, I'm going to say Zingaya. <laughs> <laughs> But all in all, I mean, I know I'm the guy that usually dumps on stuff for not going along for the ride. Um, This one, I don't go along for the ride, but I get where it's coming from and what it was trying to do. Not really for me, but I had only seen it once and it was fresh, you know, not fresh in my mind, but on my mind enough that when I was picking three, I was like, let me give that one another watch. It's really interesting. As much as I don't like this movie and as much as I dreaded watching it for the podcast, I do want to watch the other two. Now, one thing I do have to bring up is one of the co-writers who is also the director, John Fawcett, worked on, we keep talking about directors or recently talking about directors that worked on TV shows. He did a few episodes of Xena. Okay. Lucy Lawless is the voice on every yeah. time the intercom at the school, it's her. Um, that's about the only cool thing that, that, that I could say behind the scenes wise with this one. It's a different take. It's a coming of age movie with werewolves kind of like, right. You know, dog soldiers is predator with werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's funny. And I'm sure Josh got a big kick about this. Uh, we have a shared Google drive that we do outlines and then we do our show notes on there and they're like color coded. And like, so I have a big section <laughs> for my movie and then Josh will have a section with like his points that he wants to add. Right. And back and forth. And I'm sure he thought I wasn't finished with my notes this morning, but under ginger snaps, he's green. I'm blue. There was no blue. Yeah, I was like, no I'm not blue. I, I didn't even take the time to write <laughs> about it, but I, the movie stays in my head. It is very, very loved. And it, it might be another one of those things where I went in wanting this yeah. And then it was a different kind of movie. But usually once I figure that out and I go back and watch it a second time, you're cool with it. I'm cool with it. It just didn't work on yeah. this one to me. There, you know, there's a couple of turds in here 
there just is. We we really just grabbed at you know three movies each to put right. out there, and we know there's more werewolf movies. There there's are literally time. hundreds werewolves movies. We just picked three each, and there's going to be a werewolves two and a werewolves three if we get to keep doing this podcast. Yeah, and there's some of these that can be you know entire franchises on their own, like the Howling. Right. Um. So on this one, this was kind of an oddball one for us to go into. So definitely if there's something that you're like, oh, damn it, y'all should have talked about this or <laughs> I'd rather have heard you talk about this. Feel free to let us know. Yeah. I mean, fucking we want feedback. I purposely picked werewolves because we're not huge werewolf fans. And no. I just, we're experimenting with the show. Yeah. We do like, everything the hard way with the show. <laughs> like we did direct. We did our first director episode last week and I purposely picked Eli Roth because going in, we're like, cool, dude, not my favorite director. We ended up liking his movie more and uh, talked for fucking ever somehow. So now we know next time, focus on the director more and the movies less, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, fucking it was fun to do something that was not like one of our favorite things, like slashers and stuff like that. And there's just werewolf movies can be all over the place. Yeah. Like you can make an action movie or a horror movie or a comedy movie. Or, or a coming of age movie. A coming of age <laughs> movie, a fucking military movie. So the special effects is always a hindrance in it. I hope that more people take the leap. Like the guy that made fucking late faces didn't want to make a werewolf movie. Probably for all the reasons I just said. <laughs> Thought the script was so fucking cool he had to do it. And he made a great fucking werewolf movie. So maybe we'll get some more of those in the future. Yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about the Paranormal Activity franchise. The first movie was, was fucking just great. And it was something new. Yep. And... You get some bad spots in the franchise, but the mythos interconnects. I think it'll be fun to maybe look at that one more for the interconnecting approach. Yeah, at this point, it'll be really cool to look at that as a whole, right? not just as the movies came and out. And I saw them all as they came out, and then before the last one came out, me and David marathoned all of them, and then went and saw that one in theaters. So it'd be kind of interesting to do, like you said, the whole shebang in one go, and then talk yeah. about it. So, And it's a fun franchise, so it'll be different to do Ghost. But uh, anyways, guys... Thank you so much for listening to us. As always, please keep promoting us to everybody. Please send comments to sbspodcast at gmail.com. Please sign up on the Twitter and Instagram at sbspodcast. And uh, see you next week. Holy jumped up ball headed Jesus Palomino.